you don't have to change the world. You can just offer up a perspective and an understanding that a fan who has listened to you for years may have never thought about um, up until this moment. Welcome to Artist as Leader, where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership. I'm Rob Kramer, the founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership, whose mission is to advance leaders for the greater good. And I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti, the producer and editor of this podcast, brought to you by the Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And this week, we bring you Pierre Carlo's interview with hip hop artist Cliff Notes. Can I get workers' compensation? If I know my job, that you'll be crazy. Can I get workers' compensation? If my job is mentally Pierre Carlo, please tell us a little bit about this fascinating artist leader. Cliff Notes has already earned a reputation as a brilliant and thoughtful singer and songwriter. In his native Boston, he won Best New Artist at the Boston Music Awards in 2018. And just one year later, he was named Best Musician by Boston Magazine in its 2019 Best of Boston Roundup. He is also a visual artist, a budding filmmaker, and a producer. He co-founded the Boston-based media production company Hipstery, that is, to quote its mission statement, dedicated to centering marginalized identities in media through music and film. And if that weren't enough, because we always interview underachievers here, he also teaches songwriting and music production at Berklee College of Music and marketing at Emerson College. He needs more to do. Just wanted to let you know the music that you'll be hearing in this episode is from Cliff's latest album, Why the Wild Things Are. Be sure to buy it wherever you get your music. It's a really great album. He spoke to me from his studio in Cambridge. I asked him now that at the age of 29, he is already a musician, visual artist, producer, and professor, whether he considers himself a leader. I I try to remain as humble as possible because I know. So I'm going to tie this into this some analysis I say I read about like films and talking about how a lot of films get revol- like revolutions wrong. The revolution is always framed within this idea of this singular person, this like the matrix, you have to have the one, this person is the one that is gonna save us. It's all within this one. And although I think that there are value in one, I think that, I mean, one, like our world has grown in size um, by multiples since a lot of those movies have come out and a lot of those ideas have been grown on. Um, So I think that leadership, like real strong leadership has to come from a collection. uh, but I think that I would be remiss and I would be selfish and not uh, smart to be making the decision to be like, I have gone through lots of systems of privilege that a majority of people that have my background have not been able to crack in the least bit. From being able to go to, uh, my high school was $57 million a year uh, or $57,000 a year for tuition. Um, and I got to pay none of that because I could play basketball. And that cracked me to the system, which got me into Wheaton, which got me into Northeastern, which 
I didn't have to pay for it all because of all the, like this path that I got to. And it's a very rare path that a lot of people don't have that access to. So I would be very selfish to not be uh, aware of the fact that that comes with some type of uh, power that can be used in order to sway uh, forces that a lot of folks don't have that opportunity to do. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why I'm big into education is because that's a lot of pressure. Um, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I could do this on my own. Let me try. And through teaching folks, um, hopefully I can inspire the next person and give those seeds or create like an army of people that have been through my classes or whatever in some way, shape or form who share these same ideals and also have that equipped knowledge that I was able to gain through the privilege that I had um, growing up. So. I guess, in a way, a leader by default. Um, I, I I don't want to. I feel like when I think of a leader, I think of like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and I don't think I've done anywhere near as much as they've done yet. Um, I, I would hope to be able to do as much as they can have done and more. Um, but for now, I know that my power lies in being able to activate communities and activate other people around me. And like I've done a lot as a singular, but I've done way more as a unit and, and, and amongst a lot of people. Can you talk more about that? Because the other thing that uh, is interesting about your story is that you are you're making your art and building your career in the place that you grew up. You're very much tied into your community. Um, so can you talk about leading as, as a unit about that, what you were talking about, not as a singular person? Yeah, I think it comes back to like the, my reality and, of my situation is like, in reality, like I just wanted to make art and talk about my experiences. Unfortunately, my experiences exist within the context of being a black person in America. And that has centuries of things that are completely without out of my control so like when you look at my art as a singular like for like my art as a solo artist or just individually like i'm very much talking about like my depression or my my uh, my my um my struggle with my bipolar disorder and how that how i feel like that relates to my experience as being a black person in america that's how i'm talking like as an individual Mm -hmm. but how i've been able or how I think I've been able to uh, gather people around it is building something that is bigger than me. Um, and I think the simplest way to describe it is like how I'm even thinking about writing my songs. Um, I think I've been writing songs forever. Um, and I've like, even in crowds and performing and performing with other people, I've had the most connections in songs that aren't talking about like, Cliff is going through this, 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 and this, but being able to frame this in a way that I'm not like the only person that this song could apply to. Um, and that's like the very like uh, microchasm example of what, what it is I try to do in thinking about everything that I'm doing and with my company at Hipstery um, and creating this platform for marginalized voices and stories to be heard. Like when I first made Hipstery when I was in high school or when I was in undergrad and thinking about creating a platform for marginalized voices and stories to be heard and told, like. Uh, initially, like selfishly, like I was the marginalized voices that needed to be heard and told. And I created history <laughs> as an mm-hmm. opportunity. Like, honestly, it was like, I knew 
that people weren't going to listen to me unless there was like this facade and this idea of like a group of other people. So I created Hipstery as this like fake label to get people to think like, oh, this is uh, Hipstery who's reaching out on behalf of Cliff, as even though it's me who's writing all these emails or whatever. But but even gathering that idea, I realized that there was more power. Like people cared about things that involved more people than yourself. Um, and that's like such a simple idea. Um, and being able and realizing that and also learning about like my history and, and, and structural and systematic racism in America, I realized that there's an opportunity to do something here. Um, so I thought everything I'm thinking is outside of myself. Um, it will start inside of me. But like I realized that like the only way that it'll matter is if if I can even prove that this matters. Um, like it matters if it's something that is happening to multiple people. Like um, if if the if the world was in this place where I Cliff Notes am the only person in the world who has ever been a victim of police brutality, um, or or like the 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 backlash of that, then it wouldn't matter as much. It's like oh, that's a clear mistake. Something happened. He's the only person that this has ever happened to. Mm -hmm. But when I realized that this is something that like oh, like thousands and millions of people are are, are dealing with, whether indirectly or directly like that's when it becomes universal is being able to think like so it's basically just being able to think outside of myself um and realizing yeah i'm struggling but like who else is struggling like who else can i connect with like who else like is anyone else feeling like this and i think that was basically my first album was was me just being like i'm depressed as shit like does anyone else feel like this and then me getting that feedback and being like oh a lot of people are feeling like this uh -huh. <laughs> so there's something about well there's something about an authenticity that was able to get you a lot of collaborators and followership it sounds like yeah it was um being honest i mean and like obvious speaking now like retro like retrospectively um it sounds like it, it, it can be easy to hear how i'm speaking about it and think that like oh like yeah, he just, you know, he went through some shit, figured it out, figured out he needed to connect with a bunch of people, and it was good. Um, but no, like, that path was a very dangerous, painful, like, time. And I'm grateful to even have even survived um, the, that time period of, one, like, yeah, it's, the key was just being honest and being honest about, like, what's going on through myself. But there are so many levels and layers especially if you're a black person, especially if you're uh, a, a, like a person who is identified as the public, as, as a male black, um, it, there's so many levels that make it so hard to just be able to be honest with yourself, especially if your honesty is coming in the form of like, hey man, I don't know if I could do this. Like being a man comes with like, there's so many phrases around like man up and like, uh, there's a film that I, I used to teach around. It was called like Tough Guys, uh, G-U-I-S-E. Um, and this this like mask or The Mask You Live In is another film, same same director. Um, there's a mask that we're forced to wear. So like I had to break through that. And even after the album came out, like I got a lot of like support and, and just like, cause this is like the first time I'm publicly talking about my, my depression. Um, and it wasn't until the second album where I was like, all right, like depression has become more acceptable, but like 
How about bipolar disorder? How does that sit with you? Because that has a whole bunch of stigmas as well. Um, and how does that fit within the black community? But so like going through all of like even after the album came out, I was like, yeah, I got to delete this and like fighting with like my friends and like my my like I'm going to delete this today. Like nobody needs to hear this. Um, so, so how like, did you talk yourself out of deleting it? How did you stick with it when it got really, really hard? Well, I think that that was more of a thing with the first album. That was like a actual fight and struggle with like Tim Hall, who was co-owner of Hipstery and like the rest of the people that worked on the album with me and like other people that are now invested. Um, because, uh, I mean, before that I had put out six, seven mixtapes and EPs under this group called the Valedictorians while I was in college. So putting out music um, was like not a thing for me. Uh, like we were able to tour, but like the internet was still growing at the time. So like, it wasn't like we were like this viral sensation. We were enough to be able to pay for drugs and alcohol in college, which is all <laughs> we needed. Um, <laughs> um, but this was the first time, like as an adult, where like the Boston Globe is now writing about it. And now like all these major different articles are like people are talking about it. And I'm like, oh, this isn't like something that is existing on campus. This is something that exists in the world. The world mm-hmm. now knows I'm depressed. And so like I was freaking out um a lot uh in in those first months up through the first year where like especially now this is where i'm performing and like it's no longer performing in like college uh uh basement parties or whatever like i'm performing in legit venues and selling out venues and festivals and and, like i'm performing these songs that originally were just in my computer and in my head and like my personal thoughts and now i have people coming up to me after shows and telling me about like their trauma and the stuff that they're dealing with, which is a beautiful thing in retrospect, but emotionally and mentally, I was not in a place to hear that um, because all I was hearing was this mirror and this reflection of like, oh, you're fucked up. I'm fucked up too. And I'm just like, oh, damn, I'm fucked up. Like, and like <laughs> this realization of that. Um, and that was a lot to battle through. Um, but I think through a lot of different things, I realized the importance um, and the value of it because. Like that was part of the reason why I didn't put it around it is like the stigma around it and like mm-hmm. not accepting the fact that people are fucked up and like we have to be able to like talk about that to be able to fix anything in the first place. I ain't here for your enjoyment. I'm rapping for these brothers who living in unemployment. Spill Henny to fill the void. One penny can heal your voice. And a dollar and a dream ain't everything. It seems seat the clothes. I asked Cliff if there was an aspect of his leadership currently that he'd like to explore or expand further. So I'm pretty open. I mean, I, especially within the last couple of weeks and me opening my big mouth and talking a lot about things on social media. Um, I've been, uh, I mean, I've been, I've been getting like death threats since, since, since my first album. Um, And within the last couple of weeks, like they got a little bit more intense. Um, But I think what uh, is, what, what has been heavy on my mind is, am I doing like, what is my legacy going to be? Like, what happens after I go? Because I, I mean, one, I'm lucky to, in my mind, within my idea of uh, making it to the age of 25, being 29, like I'm lucky to have gotten this far. So 
what's important to me is like one and the thing that I'm trying to improve daily is like who is going to be the next person that is going to continue to inspire and, and push whatever it is that I believe. Mm-hmm. And then before even all of that is is what I believe, right? And and how can I frame this in a way that is uh, undoubtedly understood um, and, and clear and, and able to be uh, interpreted in a way that can continue to live my legacy to push more and more people beyond me? Um, because my, my time is obviously limited here. Um, and I can only do so much within my time here. So the, the most important thing that I'm trying to uh, work on uh, within my leadership is finding the next leader. Because um, I think it's also, it's, it's not as, it's, it, I think it's, it's not as exemplary. As, um, it's, it's not as exemplary of being a good leader if you're not able to pass that that um that torch down because then you're just focused on like oh i'm the leader i'm the shit here i'm the person i'm the person that you come and get to but like you got to realize that you have a mortality and like if you're actually going to lead and make change or make any difference you have to be thinking about what's happening in the next generation and then the next generation and the generation after that so how can you how can i implement something that won't exist within this uh this flash pan of a moment now um and still continue to live on beyond me and so how are you doing that i think hipstery is one of the biggest ways that i'm trying to do that i think even the name cliff notes uh even though it's not my legal name uh i think it's still attached to me as an individual and i think hipstery uh being a digital media company that uh uh, whose mission statement believes in creating a platform within the digital media realm for marginalized voices to be heard and told. I think that is one of the beginning parts of, of that, um, creating something that is outside of myself and can continue to live on and um, push my beliefs. Um, and then on top of that, I think being a, a teacher and an educator is, is one of the most ground floor um, ways of that. I've been teaching since since I was 18, 19 years old. Um, and before it was just a job. Now I realize that it's a real tool and, and, and can be used for a lot of good. superpowers and I can only select one. And don't tell me I can't be a genius one day and then a beast the next one. I could guard the galaxy. I mean, I like classic rock, but when I really think about it, I could be like static shots. Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's another black man getting through the pain. Black incredible. I was speaking to Cliff just two days after the burial of George Floyd, the Minneapolis man who was murdered by police. So I asked Cliff how he himself would like to lead and how he would like to see other artists lead through this difficult period. I think that there's a couple different things within that. Um, One is a more concrete, one is a more abstract, Thing that I've been kind of developing and thinking about throughout my grad school up till now. Um, the more concrete idea is like being as an artist, like realizing like there are people who are listening to you regardless of what you have to say. I think Taylor Swift came into this realization recently and she had to put out a documentary to pr- promote a new album in order for us to understand that she came to this realization. <laughs> um, but it's, it's this idea of um, 
knowing that you have a platform. And one, especially when I think about folks like Stevie Wonder or James Brown, uh, or not, not James, or yeah, James Brown or Marvin Gaye, but Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder as prime examples. Um, both of them were leaving Motown um, uh, because a lot was happening in the world. And also they just wanted individual, like, creative control of their projects. Um, and also because, I mean, Marvin Gaye, this is, Marvin Gaye is very fresh in my mind because I had just watched uh, the new Spike Lee movie. Have you heard about this? I have not. It's called The uh, the Five Bloods. Um, it's about like these five or four Vietnam vets who are black who go back to Vietnam um, for an adventure. Um, but uh, they use Marvin Gaye's The Trouble Man soundtrack and what's going on, which was very prevalent around that time in Vietnam and just like the wars that were going on. And what's happening in Marvin Gaye's time is like he's singing about sexual healing and people think that like he's this huge sexual being, he's a sex figure, he's the hottest man in the world or whatever. But Marvin Gaye is dealing with real shit. And that's when Trouble Man and what's going on comes out where he's talking about this other stuff and he has to kind of breach his way out of uh, Motown in order to realize that like almost in the same way that I am it's just like I think his initial mission was like I need to talk about what's going on with me um, but then realizing like especially with that background of Motown and like the best way to get other people to understand that this is important is to get this to them as many people as possible so that's where the birth of what's going on and I think that it's the same for Stevie with like songs of the key of life um, it was like this 25 year old who's fresh out of being a child prodigy at Motown again, who's known for making pop, uh, like cotton candy music. And now he's talking about higher ground and he's talking about, mm-hmm. um, all these songs that are pushing the agenda, like, because this is his experience. This is what he lives. He's still a black man, regardless of how famous he is. Um, so I think that those are messages that I think that I want artists to talk about, uh, is that like, yeah, one. I don't think that you should be dropping, like trying to reach like large audiences and like that pop appeal or whatever, because that's important. Like you do have to reach other people, but how can you reach other people, but also use your experience and the experience of marginalized people to uphold those people and offer up even information. You don't have to change the world. You can just offer up a perspective and an understanding that a fan who has listened to you for years may have never thought about um, up until this moment. So mm-hmm. like you could have been tuning in to Marvin Gaye to get your groove on with some Lovebird one night, but then you end up on Trouble Man soundtrack and now you're talking about racism for three hours or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's what folks need to realize. I think that there's value and importance in being able to do and figure out how to do both. Um, like, I don't, I don't think that you should be just like, stop trying to reach a lot of people and, and just like, only focus on getting the message out or whatever. I think that it's important to get a lot of people in there, but like it's a balance and a few people have been able to do it. James Brown, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, folks like that. Now the cop is saying lay flat. I'ma break backs, nigga face facts, take that. You little fuck away your ape sack He got a gun, he's screaming now We calling out the dispatch Breaking bones, trying to snap a brother like a Kit Kat But I ain't so tired Finally, I asked Cliff what advice he would give his younger self if he could 
Oh, um, go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> go to therapy. Like you gotta talk I'll back to you on that bro. one. <laughs> you gotta talk to someone, man. You can't do this alone. <laughs> um, I don't think I needed it as immediately as that, but I think what transpired after and like the the rabbit hole and like even the immediate decision to be like, I'm gonna double major and I'm gonna take eight classes a semester, even though I only have to take four to graduate. Like I really went really intense from like 2011 to 2016 and just really, really trying to do a lot. Um, although I like, I'm grateful for that, Was that trying, was that keeping depression at bay? I mean, you mentioned also that it was as a first generation American, there's a lot of that pressure put on you. Mm-hmm. That was part of it. But you're saying there was, there was also an effort to just keep running yourself ragged to keep s- certain skeletons in the closet or what? Oh, yeah. Retroactively yeah. looking at that's 100% what I was doing. I was uh-huh. just literally keeping myself busy to not think about the dark thoughts. And then, like, also because I'm now getting these pats on the back, it's like, you're doing good work. Like, this is important. I'm like, worried. I don't have to worry about these dark thoughts or whatever because I'm doing good work. Like, I'm fine. Um, and then, like, by the time why the wild things are like within leading up to that like it was like all right like i can't but the fuel had run out like i couldn't believe that anymore like something else was wrong something like i needed actual help um and i i need to stop and if i was aware of that throughout that process maybe i could have been more productive more more helpful and 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 able to use my mind in a better way but at the same time, I look back at it and, and think like maybe it's important that I had that really destructive time in my time in my life because maybe that helps me realize how to not be destructive in the future. You know, one thing that really struck me about this interview, Rob, was other than the fact that he's so gracious and kind of delightful to speak to, was this thing that he was talking about legacy in a way that someone much older than he should be talking about legacy, but he's only 29, but he only thought he would live to 25 as a young black man. He thought that was his upper age limit, uh, which is very sad. And yet I'm so grateful that he is very much with us to empower and lead the next generation of hip hop artists and any other kind of artist. Yeah. I love that awareness he has about himself. Agreed. He really understood where he sits at this point in his life and what his responsibility is that he wants to take in developing future leaders. And he's done a lot of the hard work, you know, on himself. Um, he's had a lot of courage to battle his demons. Um, to look at what society has done in terms of how he should view himself as a black man, which things you and I can't even comprehend, you know, as white men, Pierre Carlo, okay. um, what he has to decide to hold on to and what to leave behind and really mm. figure out his identity and who he wants to be in the world. And he, he's done a lot of work around that, um, which is clearly impacting the way he wants to lead others. Right. And unlike, let's say, leaders in other non-creative fields who can battle their demons in a very private way, the courageous artists sometimes do so in a public way, which can be really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it plays out in the public forum. 
and, yes. and recognizing actually, he talked about it at one point, you know, ha- recognizing you have a, 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 I forget the language you use, but have a platform basically and a forum right. um, to, to make a statement and knowing how to do it in a way that's going to create meaningful change and, and influence the next generation and not just Russell, rough, Russell, rough, what's the word I'm trying to say? Ruffle, ruffle feathers. Yeah. Ruffle feathers. And not Russell cattle and ruffle feathers. Say that five times fast. <laughs> anyway, he was doing a good job uh, with that one. Uh, and the other thing I, I, I guess is around that is his choice to then how he develops others. You know, he had this great quote where he said, uh, the most important thing that I'm trying to work on within my leadership is finding the next leader. Mm-hmm. And so being very intentional about how he wants to make that impact. It's really a great interview. Thanks so much for bringing him to us, Pierre Carlo. You're welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. If you'd like to learn more about Cliff, please go to uncsa.edu slash artist as leader. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave us a rating or a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And if you admire an artist leader in your own community that you'd love us to profile in future episodes, please shoot us an email at keenanarts at uncsa.edu. Thank you to Cliff Notes for allowing us to use his music in this episode. Our theme music is by The Dimes. I'm Rob Kramer. And I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti. Thanks for listening. <laughs>